Okay, welcome to the show. My name's Paul Burgess, and this is Health Talk Radio. And Mike's not here again this week because he's still moving across the country. In fact, he should be on our next episode, fingers crossed. Um, so you've got me today again, apologies, but I've got an awesome guest today. All of my guests are awesome, to be fair. But this guy, I've known him for quite a while. He is just an amazing guy from, and you're going to get that from the story that we we talk about. Um, he's also, I'm going to call him a colleague, because he's kind of dipping his toe now into being a practitioner and learning a lot of good stuff. Um, but this one is going to be something you should really stick with. So, uh, Jaden, welcome to the show, mate. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me on the show um Try. yeah looking forward to not not the first time i've had you on one of my shows um yeah so, spoken to you before yep yeah. <laughs> so Jaden <laughs> is um a guy that lived a massively healthy life he really focused on getting things right kind of got into a lot of cutting edge biohacking like doing everything that people um expect uh, gives you this this amazing life and, and and was really good at it as well, by the way, very dedicated, really applied himself. And, um, and some things happened that were a little bit of a curveball, which he's going to tell us about. Um, so before I get too carried away, tell us just your history and what's brought you to this point. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that um, I'm actually on here because uh, I guess my journey with um, health and fitness, it actually somewhat started with Michael. So um, a long time ago, I, I came across this person who was promoting ads on my Instagram constantly and um, promise of a six pack. And at that time, I uh, was working towards getting healthier and, and fitter. Uh, and I did one of his programs, which I think was one of the hit programs some time ago um, and, and did that. And, and, uh, and it, I had a really good uh, outcome from it. And I kind of that kind of kick started me to really then focus on my nutrition um so the nutrition can be a big part of it which we all know is so important to everything so yeah I, I guess along the way um you know health has become a big part of my life um it still is but it, it's progressed it was uh something I, I did a lot of so exercise whether it was in the gym um you know then picking up other things along the nutrition as I mentioned picking up some uh, yoga and sa- doing saunas. It was just something I enjoyed doing everything, walking on the beach, getting sun. It just, it just, it, I'm an extremist. So it just kept going and going and going. But, so but, along so, the but way, this is the thing, this is the thing I want to mention, right? First, so firstly, your, your introduction to everything or, or a big part of it was, was Mike and, you know, his programs and that's all great. And, and I think somewhere around that time, I was doing work for Mike as well in that I was, uh, doing some videos with him or or I was I was getting involved with his group somehow this is a, a little while ago now mm. or that was potentially later on but I've got a feeling that's how we you came across me I think or certainly became aware of me but we've had this conversation because just to give people a good background Jaden was a patient of mine for a while um, and the first thing that I said to him was you've got this personality which says, if I'm going to do something, I need to do it to the to the absolute nth degree. I have to maximize the hell out of everything. Because when we first sat down, correct me if I'm wrong, you were you were training kind of four or five days a week, weight training in the gym. 
you were doing at least four yoga sessions a week, sauna every day, walking after your evening meal every day. And there was some other stuff going on, which I can't even remember. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, where have you got time to actually live? Because it was like, you, it was this, it was, it was all encompassing. And one of the things we had to do was kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit at that time. But yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure you were kind of, but this is the reason I'm saying it is because it's a very common thing to come across. People want to do, or if that's good, then 20 times must be better. And sometimes um, people have to go through that to realize maybe the outcome isn't what they're after. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I did come across you from uh, one of Michael's chats where you were talking about um, sort of using some apps with like chronometer and, and nutrition. And that was really helpful. And actually, you're a big part of me learning more about nutrition going down that path. Um, and yeah, I was doing a lot. Uh, I don't know if I was doing as much as you just said I was, but I was doing a lot. Uh, I enjoyed it. And it didn't, when you enjoy something, you never feel like it's too much you're doing it it's just something that you just do i didn't feel like it was um a, a burden on my life at all uh I, you know i enjoyed going to the gym i enjoyed the saunas the yoga it never felt too much um and by the way you looked, you looked amazing right from an aesthetics perspective i'm posting a picture of you like the archetypal six-pack beach body you know just the goal everyone's after yeah, and, and it was never like that. So I was a skinny little kid with uh, the smallest, skinniest little kid <laughs> you could remember. And I just, as you said before, I, I just do things. Uh, I learn everything. I need to know everything about it. And I just put my head down and make it work. And yeah, consistency and doing things right for many years, I, I, I was able to develop like a, a figure that I was um, really happy to have. And, 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 and that's even the case now as, as, as I'm, you know, a bit, I'm still young, but a bit older, you know, I'm still extremely happy with where I'm at with some of the work I've done with you, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately and ultimately uh, that life um, wasn't uh, as healthy as I, I, I probably thought. Um, and and it, it led to, yeah, a really horrible moment, I guess, in, in my life, something that uh, will be with me forever uh, in my mind, I guess, but yeah, it led to, um one day I was I was uh noticing a bit of pain in 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 my in my um testicle and uh I'm I remember doing like a yoga class and some of the poses on my stomach were really uncomfortable and it, I remember a day sitting in a sauna and I just had this I could just feel this lump and it was across the course of a week I just noticed it was getting sort of bigger and bigger and and I was taking I was taking you know more notice of it if i if i knocked it it would, it would cause some excruciating pain um a really uncomfortable pain and i honestly never thought uh what it, what it could be I, I just thought this is a cyst i left it until i was just like no nah, i swear this is getting bigger so i went to the doctors just to get it checked out and and uh had an ultrasound and some scans and whatnot and, and found out that unfortunately I, yeah at, at the age of 30 um i had, I had testicular cancer and and listen, this is really important. You were doing so many things right. You were doing everything, everything, everything that you could, right? As a, it's all about being as healthy as possible. Like I said, you looked amazing. And the post I actually put up, which was a few years ago now, showed you on the beach looking in, incredible with the caption, this is what cancer looks like. Because it's very difficult 
to correlate just because someone looks amazing doesn't mean things underneath aren't going are going well and and you were a great example of that and so you get this diagnosis at just 30 years old which is really young and the type of cancer was an extremely aggressive type so what happened next yeah so the type of cancer i had was a uh a, a form of a cancer that spreads extremely quickly so there's different types of testicular cancer um and, and lucky lucky me i had the one that uh was the most aggressive so it was something that needed to be acted on quite quickly um so we had obviously to find out that what kind of cancer you, you have like i from from the day of diagnosis to surgery it was like a, a two-week period so you, you get in pretty quick and i tell you what that two-week period like you you, you just you in, it's it, i can't explain how stressful that is to anyone um going through that and i wouldn't wish that upon anyone even my worst enemy which i don't have any enemies but wouldn't wish it upon anyone and yeah to have that surgery and and to get it out and then to find out that yeah it's a really aggressive form of cancer and um you know if we essentially if if, you, if we don't act further on it there's a good chance that it will spread through um lymph nodes and and into the lungs into the liver so i was told that i um needed to then do chemotherapy and because i knew a little bit about i like to think i know a little bit bit about health yeah, it was really, um, it was just, it was a shock and, and just the one thing, you know, I, I just did not want to have chemo from, from when I got told cancer, the next thing in my head was, oh no, I've got to do chemo and knowing how bad it was for the body. Um, it was, it was basically me thinking, I just, I just can't do this. So I, I went, I basically then went into overdrive to identify ways and research ways into not going into that path. Um, but yeah, it's really hard when you're in that situation and you're feeling extremely overwhelmed and stressed. And one of the biggest issues that, that, that people wouldn't think about, right? So you get this diagnosis at 30, where all of a sudden, because at 30, we still think we're immortal. Nothing's going to happen to us. It, you know, we're going to live forever and it's fine. And then you get this diagnosis, which is extremely serious. Your whole perspective changes immediately. And what's important to you, it changes immediately. But the confusion around it is, is the most overwhelming thing. Because as humans, we are hardwired to solve problems. And we solve problems based on our past experiences. So if someone wants to lose weight and in the past they've gone on a diet, they say, well, I've got to lose weight, so I'm going to go and do the same sort of thing because that's my experience historically. Or... When I found the information I needed, I found it on Google. So that's where I'm going to go and that's where I'm going to find it kind of thing. But there's no reference point to something that's never happened before that is like that. In other words, it's such a massive thing. There's no lead up to it. There's no, like, let's get you used to the idea first and let's gradually just talk it, talk it through. It's like, there it is. And in two weeks, you are going to be in a hospital. You're going to be having an operation. And this is probably the most serious thing in the world. You, there's no way you can make sense of it within that time so that in no, no, itself no. yeah is is just such a such a burden on people mentally yeah i mean you you can't make sense of it and and you know during this period of time like you know i'm still working a full-time job um I, I hadn't even told people like i told obviously my 
family and partner and and obviously um shed a lot of tears with them about it but other than them and my closest friends you know people you know i was at work working a full-time job and no one knew and you're trying to process this as a 30 year old and the only way i could actually ever feel like i was <laughs> managing it was when i was actually going to the gym i mean i was still doing some extremely good lifts and 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 feeling great at the gym like it was just it, it was still in disbelief that this could be me you know i'm just still feeling great like all my sleep was fantastic my you know my heart rate variability was fantastic everything that all the metrics that we measure to make sure you 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 you're well were all great um <laughs> but then i just had this um shock sort of diagnosis as well uh, uh, going on underneath what, what's interesting actually about the monitoring of your heart rate variability which you've done on your aura ring we look back on it historically when we started doing some work and we could see i don't remember this but we could see actually the heart rate variability was improving pretty consistently right the way up to the diagnosis and almost on that day it just dropped off a cliff do you remember mm. that graph yeah i do i do yeah. What's, yeah what's very interesting about that from a practitioner perspective is before you knew what was going on actually things look pretty good as soon as you were made aware of it it, it completely dropped that was the mental aspect and the effect that that had not the physical because the physical thing was still there it was still the problem but as soon as you were made aware of it and your mind realized that's what it was it was such a a bolt from the blue it was such a stressful experience that the heart rate variability that literally dropped off a cliff and we can see it on that on that graph it was really quite interesting yeah it's great it's 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 it, it shows it it and hopefully the listeners understand this is stress is a killer so as soon as i identify that stress that stress occurred then what happens is you you know you're waking up at, when you're when you're stressed you're waking up at your sleep at around one two three o'clock thinking about it so you're not sleeping as well like i'm a good sleeper so i'm not sleeping as well you know then the next day you because the only thing that made me feel almost normal was going to the gym so i'd go and do an even hectic workout so, you know putting more uh, stress on that body and and it's a vicious cycle it's happening the next day so yeah like we need to manage our stress we need to manage our our stress in our life so we're sleeping well you know it's it's so important to to your overall health and and yeah i mean my metrics showed that straight away and so you then had the operation and what was the consequence after that so uh yeah you you go see an oncologist um referred to an oncologist and uh yeah basically you get told i was told that i needed to get two rounds of chemotherapy so with the chemo with the type of cancer i had it's um it's an extremely aggressive form of chemo so you hear people have chemo across many months my one is essentially or the one i had um was essentially you know every day for six weeks uh you're, you're having some except for the weekend sorry so monday to friday for six weeks and uh yeah it, in that in that six weeks i you just you hope that no one has to go through it like it, uh, in from what i look like from the from that I actually have a picture um of myself from the day before chemo um and the day of the last chemo session and 
I show friends that now and it's like they don't know that that's me in that last photo like you can tell it's me but it's you you know you um I live in a hot sunny climate so I'm tanned that tan went it was I was pale I was very pale I was white as anything so you just lose all your color and your skin um you know your muscle is all gone I noticed my muscle going in the first week like I remember wrapping my arms my hands around my leg and noticing that my my leg is skinny um so like it was and it wasn't the fat that is going away it's all your muscle it's eating away on your muscle so all of a sudden in the six weeks time after six weeks you know i was i I weighed i'd lost 20 kilos and it was 20 kilos of pure muscle but i was pudgy so people that go through chemo they get this pudginess in there uh where their face looks almost fat and um their body you just look up you're skinny as anything but your body is just fatty um and yeah i had no muscle so it was, it was just like how to, it's incredible how those chemicals can affect you in uh in in such significance in six weeks in, in six weeks yeah and again another aspect people don't take into account is the mental side of that whole process is not only hugely confusing hugely hugely stressful but this new element now of everything you've worked for in the gym and being healthy and everything else, building that muscle has been just stripped out of you in six weeks. That in and of itself mentally is another complication that makes you feel awful because yeah, so that's, almost, that's you, sorry, you almost get to this point where like, this has ruined everything, Mark, you know, this will never come back again. And, you know, mm. it's, it's kind of very easy to get really down on yourself. And that is really opposite to what you want to be doing when you're trying to get out of a scenario like that the more positive the more future you can see the more um, belief you've got in your future can really help with that recovery so again people don't understand these things they just go chemo is horrible it kills you it's terrible blah 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 but the mental aspect is something people don't don't discuss and you've mentioned it before to me many times in that even the the explaining it to your parents was one of the most difficult things you've ever done and it wasn't them that was having the problem. It was you, right? But yeah. but but that that in and of itself was such a mentally hard thing to to approach. And I think people miss that point. So when we, or certainly when I deal with patients, a huge part of a twelve month program is all about your perspective, your understanding about what's important in life, having a you know how do we create a happy, fulfilling life so that you get the most out of it. That in and of itself is as important as the actual treatment for whatever the ailment is. And people don't really understand that. They think, oh, you just take some pills and you'll be fine. It's, it's so much more than that. Yeah, you really nailed it. And like, like the, the most key thing there is when I became sick and, and actually cancer itself doesn't cause a sickness. It's actually the, it's the one treatment in the world where the, the, the treatment is more scary than the actual diagnosis. The treatment really affects you. But when I was on those medications, you know, for um, six weeks, in that six weeks of me being incredibly sick, more sick than I've ever been in my life, that sickness led to me feeling low in my self-esteem. I was low in my self-confidence and I'm a confident person generally. Um, and in hindsight, and I didn't know at the time I look back and I was, I was, I was depressed for that mm. or towards the end of that, you know, the last two, three weeks where I was 
pretty much useless. So um, I couldn't get off the couch um, for for almost two weeks. You know, I'd go for a walk, forced um, forced to go into a walk by by my my girlfriend to to just get out of the house. And I I I, I I'm never in the house. Like I'm I wake up and I'm out of the house. You you could not uh, pay me to get out of the house at that time. I I just wanted to be on the couch, and you know I was. I couldn't focus on anything. I couldn't even watch a TV show. I, I couldn't even like even scrolling on your phone was too hard. I, I was literally just laying on the couch and barely wanting to eat. And, you know, you don't want to get to that point where you're so sick uh, or where you start losing that self-esteem, your confidence in yourself, your ability to how you look, how you feel. A lot, you know, I couldn't work during that period because I was too sick to work. So I lost my job. You know, it's important that people look after their health now so they don't get to that point in general as a general generalized thing um, in my case i've experienced that yeah and even more to that another dimension is this mental thing when you're in that state you know we all have the same fears deep down is that i'm not good enough and so i need to prove my value to other people because i need to be the best i can be and i've got to give value so that people see me as i'm a good person or i've got value in life it's something that we all suffer from. It might come out in different ways, but generally we've got this thing about we're not good enough. And at that time, the biggest thing was you couldn't do anything to make you good enough, right? Because you couldn't work, you couldn't sit up, you couldn't look at a phone, you couldn't watch it, you couldn't do anything. And your great girlfriend, who you're still with, and I know, and she's a lovely woman, was dragging you out the house to try and support you and make you, you know, force you to do stuff but the the basic human need of i need to give value to others even that's taken away from you so once that dimension comes on top of everything else in depression all bets are off mate it's a it's the worst place you can be yeah it really is and and actually you just you know the one thing i actually remember that made me actually feel somewhat good is um getting some sun it was like it was just the difference of getting off that couch from inside and laying on a grass on an oval outside in the sun. Uh, I, I still remember. It, it sounds weird to say, but I still remember those rays hitting my skin and and just getting a sense of energy. And it was that I was doing something good for myself. Yeah. You know, it was something small, but it was it was really important at that moment. Um, but yeah, just. The, the mental side of it really really hits you more than 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 anything really yeah now interestingly there were a lot of people that you were aware of doing it at the same time right because there were more than one person being treated with you and you kind of were in the same scenario as these other people you were suffering quite badly with it however you used some really um interesting strategies to make it less problematic believe it or not, after that that description of it all, which sounds like, my God, it couldn't have been worse. But actually, there were a lot of things you did that made it much more tolerable. That yeah. generally, people are not told about by their oncology teams. And I've got nothing wrong with, uh, nothing against oncology people. They're very well-meaning. You know, they, they do what they can with the information they have, and, and that's great. But the, the consensus is, just keep eating as much as you can. If you can't eat, drink this drink that they give you, which is a very high glucose, high sugar, high calorie, just to keep weight on you. That's all they want, right? Which actually is probably not the greatest thing because most cancers fuel themselves on glucose. 
um, don't do a lot of exercise. Like we just want to make sure that you're just eating as much as, or getting as many calories in as you can. But in actual fact, your strategy was slightly different to that. Yeah. So to make it very clear, my my oncologist, who um, he's a great person. I, actually, a lot of the things I'm about to say, actually, he said uh, I was wasting my money and relatively st stupid for doing. Um, but I'm adamant they worked. Yeah. And I'll do it again if I ever had to go through, well, if I had to go through that again, which I don't think I will. But um, so, yet some of the people that were with me, so some of the things I'm going to go through, uh, I was waking up every morning and, and the chemotherapy causes ulcers in the mouth. Uh, so I was doing uh, coconut oil pulling every morning for about 15 minutes. Uh, so every morning I'd be doing that. I didn't get any that, ulcers. People who don't know what that is, what, what is Oh, that? sorry. Yeah, I should explain. So it's you, you get about a tablespoon of coconut oil and you just basically swish before you drink water, before you um, brush your teeth. The first thing you do in the morning, tablespoon of coconut oil, and you're just swishing it around your mouth like really viciously um, for about 10, 15 minutes. And and the, basically the idea is that it you know, protects your my, uh, oral microbiome, so you, you, your, your oral health, your oral, um, mouth health, and then... Uh, it gets rid of the bad bacteria, so it grabs onto it and kind of gets rid of it before you and have a chance to drink it down with water. Very important, you spit it out before you and uh, spit it out. It. Don't spit it down. Yeah, so you yeah, it clogs up your sink. So not, that didn't happen to me. I knew about that. I'm pretty stupid with all that stuff, but yeah, I, I did know to spit it out in the bin. Um, so that was one thing I was doing before. So that was I did that every single. I still actually do that every morning because this is good for you. It winds your teeth and. I still do that. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that someone can, anyone can do. It's cheap. It's easy to do. It's good for your mouth. Um, yeah. So then also before the treatment, I was doing vitamin C infusions. So um, IV vitamin C, uh, high dose. So we vitamin C basically doesn't cross across the, um, the barrier of our gut so It's in, in high doses. So, so there's a theory that if you inject it, into the uh into the system into the vein directly in um that it can cross over and, and it can be quite protective against um cancer and and actually certain forms of cancer yeah well here's the thing with with high dose intravenous vitamin c firstly vitamin c is a great antioxidant uh the problem with that is an antioxidant benefits cancer so when people take vitamin C, it will give more oxygenation because it's taking the the bad oxy oxidants out. And so it, it's actually a favorable environment for tumor. Um, and to be able to take high doses of vitamin C orally is very difficult because it will it's a very strong sterilizer. It kills a lot of stuff. And when it goes into your gut, you get what's called bowel tolerance which is basically diarrhea above a certain amount and you can't really get enough in for it to be usable from a cancer perspective and the reason you can't is because when it's at a moderate level of vitamin c it's an antioxidant and that is favorable for the tumor when you do it as an iv it, it doesn't go through the gut it just goes straight into your blood system so you can put much, much more in, like instead of like two or three grams, you can put a hundred grams or yeah, really serious levels. 
And once it goes above a certain level, it's no longer an antioxidant. It's a pro-oxidant, which means it makes the environment worse. That is what you're after with the high dose vitamin C, but you can't do it orally because you just can't take enough of it. You could try it liposomally, which means it will absorb through your gums and your cheeks and, and stuff like that, and not so much gets into the gut, but you still can't do enough of it. So that's why the vitamin C is used as a, as a treatment for a lot of cancers. And, but it's important you do it at the, at the, the proper level and it's done under good supervision and people know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a good strategy for sure. Yeah, that's it's um just important to know that you know the you, the days. So I was doing that before chemo every second day basically, but I was doing that also during my chemo. Um, and you know there's periods that you have to do this before the um the next chemo. So it's like two days before, and then how long are two days after? So you have to. When I was doing it during chemo, it was it was a bit more spread out because it can interfere somewhat with the chemo. Um, so you have to just be careful when you do that. So make sure you seek supervision for that um i was doing ozone therapy so ozone therapy uh, again i was doing this before and i then i did it after so i didn't do this one during but ozone therapy is uh oxygen um so you think of oxygen on the pyramids yeah, on the on the science charts o2 so ozone is o3 so it's got an extra oxygen um and they kind of take your blood out um and put this ozone into with your blood they mix it with your blood and then that goes then back into the body so the blood that they withdraw mixes with the oxygen and then it goes back in and it's meant to basically give you a really oxygenated um sort of um high well yeah cancer just doesn't doesn't grow as well in a high oxygenated sort of field so the idea is that you're getting your blood more oxygenated which would hopefully kill off some some of the cancer alongside of that i was also doing um hyperbaric chambers again just getting myself in a really oxygenated field so i was doing the hyperbaric chamber um pretty much throughout the whole whole time uh many times a week uh, three four times a week um were you, doing a, were you doing a soft one or a hard shell one at the time it was like a soft one but the, the i mean the hard ones are better it was just that we didn't i didn't have that at, i mean uh, the other thing i'm finding this uh, you know i didn't know much about this stuff and it was me trying to find as much this is all stuff I found when I got the diagnosis. So this is all within a month. Um, so yeah, this it was a soft shell one, but if you can certainly if you can get a hard shell one, the the, the 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 I think it's got a higher level of oxygen coming in. So there's something about it that's a little so, bit so, better. Yeah, so soft, it's like a tent basically that you yeah, get yeah. in and there's a lot, there's a lot of room in there, you don't feel claustrophobic, and and a, it goes into a pressure of about one and a half bar, and that um, and then you, and you breathe in about 95, 96% pure oxygen while you're in that soft tent. The hard one is literally a iron capsule that's mm. sealed and you get up to five atmospheres in there, which is much, much, much more pressure. And you breathe 99% pure oxygen and you can't move around. It can be quite claustrophobic. But it, you kind of just lay in this thing for about half an hour, and the pressure of the um, uh, the chamber it's like when you're in an airplane, you get your ears popping, but it's like five times more than that, if you like. The pressure, it, the atmosphere pushes the blood out into your extremities, 
So little capillaries that are like one cell wide that can you know, easily get blocked up or uh, things can't get there, oxygen can't get there. It, it, it almost forces it into those extremities and it forces it into your tissue and stuff. And so you're getting oxygen pushed deeper into parts of the body that maybe it can't get to um, in, in normal terms. I've got an issue with it because I look at things slightly differently in that if you've got any sort of viral, bacterial or mold or chemical toxicity in a hyperbaric under pressure, that's going to get pushed deeper into your cells. And a lot of those elements are known to be carcinogenic. So they kind of contribute to the cancer causing problems. So unless you've removed them first, I try and not to advise that for patients. But obviously that wasn't your understanding at the time and that's absolutely fine. You know, it's certainly better than nothing. But I think too many people are jumping onto this new, well, it's not new, but they're, they're hearing about hyperbaric oxygen chamber therapy and going, well, that sounds like I need to be doing it. But just know if your system is holding anything it shouldn't be, which most people are, you're going to make it more difficult to remove later on if you do that. But yeah, for what you were doing at the time. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think they're certainly hearing um, some of the, you know, the real famous athletes like LeBron James and Cristiano Ronaldo doing, doing these all the time. At, yeah. Yeah. Um, the famous one was Michael Jackson, right? He used to sleep in one. Oh, okay. I didn't know that one. He, he, Michael yeah, Jackson? Uh, yeah, it's before your time. But like, in, <laughs> in um, he used to, they used to show him, there was a picture of him sleeping in a, in a high fire chamber. Um, because it's anti-aging and it's more oxygen and so on and so forth and there's definitely value to it but just know there's more to it than just you take something and it gives you one uh, outcome you know there's a lot of um, ramifications to stuff and you just need to know you're doing it in the right way first sure sure uh what else so yeah that was before and after and during um so the, the other one was um fasting so which which was probably the one that was you know people saw me doing it and thought what is this idiot doing uh at the time so the the fasting is uh through a gentleman Bolter Longo he's a um he, he wrote a book called the longevity diet uh and he's essentially a yeah a, a anti-aging longevity researcher so um the idea between about fasting is that uh when you fast uh you're not feeding the the um the cancer cells so then when you put in the chemotherapy because the chemo the cancer cells are wanting to eat everything and take everything up to keep growing they um essentially grab onto the the chemotherapy more latch onto it and the idea is that that by latching onto that um chemotherapy they're going to die off before any of the other cells so you could you so good good cells that are that are healthy so uh when you go into these hospitals, when they feed you, you're you're wanting you're, they're feeding you, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches and cakes and muffins and cheap processed coffee. You know, none of this stuff I eat any anywhere. Like I'd never touch any of that stuff, regardless. But you know, when when I'm going through this stuff, weirdly, I was craving like foods that I would just never have in my life. So two minute noodles. Um, you know, sausage rolls i was craving just this weird food that i like i just do not eat um so 
Yeah, the, the back to the fasting. I guess the fa- the fasting was really good in a way that, um, well, you you don't feel like eating a lot anyway, but you, you, you the idea that you have some control and hoping that that cancer is hitting those bad cells. You know, so far it's worked really well, and um, I didn't like I did lose my hair, but you know I didn't lose my hair as quick as some of the other gentlemen that were going through it. Um, I think the recovery as well might have really benefited my my recovery from it. Like if I came out of it, like I'm, I was horrible looking and felt horrible, but the recovery of how quick I came back was was even unbelievable for, for yeah. myself and, and the people around me. And, and there's a lot of research now that's showing <clears throat> fasting prior to chemo makes it, like you said, more effective and also the recovery is a lot better and the experience is slightly less um unpleasant your symptoms uh, yeah your symptoms uh are less lesser so so you don't you don't get such nasty symptoms you know that could have been another reason why i didn't get the um the ulcers yeah having said that when when i'm when you're doing it you know you you're, you're still um you, you look at the prolon diet um you know that's 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 basically what i was i was doing during it um where i was eating just it's not fasting where you're not eating anything and you're just drinking water you're eating just a, a significantly reduced amount of calories so i was doing um the prolon fast for the five days during my chemo, but then I'd do a big refeed because um, you know I was dropping a lot of weight as well from the chemotherapy, and they actually get you to weigh yourself. And it was getting to the point where I was kind of almost lying about my weight to make sure they just got through to the next session of chemo because I didn't want it to be delayed. Um, well, here's the but, thing, right? It's it's in complete opposition to the. To, to the regular oncology recommendation, which is you need to eat as much calories as possible because we need to keep the weight on you. Now, in actual fact, fasting can have some significant health benefits short term, especially in that kind of scenario, like you said. Um, but in addition, because you're not feeding that uh, tumor, like you say, it wants to eat anything so it, it grabs hold of the, the destructive chemotherapy more it can be useful but longer term like you say the recovery can be better the effects can be not as bad and you had a great opportunity to measure it against other people doing not doing the fasts and seeing actually that you were comparing very favorably to the way they looked or what they were experiencing so it's definitely a value for sure um and like you say it only has to be reduced calories as opposed to a complete fast but it's definitely um, definitely worth people understanding that using that that strategy, which is the opposite of what they say, um, it, it can be actually very beneficial. But moreover, you end up being in a bit of a ketogenic state. And when you're in ketosis, which means that you're burning more ketones, more fat for fuel than glucose, that's actually muscle sparing. And it almost helps you keep the muscle mass on. Whereas if you're eating a glucose-based diet, like you said, the, the the muscle mass gets wasted anyway, but it gets wasted to an even more extent on a glucose-based diet rather than being in a ketogenic state. Doesn't mean you should go in a ketogenic diet for all cancers, especially not hormonal cancers. It's very individual. But when you're doing that kind of fasting, you can't help but go in and out of ketosis and that will allow more muscle mass to stay on. So it's certainly got some good value. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And and it's got you know some really good research now behind it that that they're doing there. Um, the other the other few things that really benefited as well, it, and it was some of those just lifestyle factors. So you know the fact that my sleep, when you're going through any sort of treatment, your sleep's just off generally. You know, my sleep was um really good still. I wasn't waking up like I would wake up maybe at three or four in the morning maybe but I was you know I was still going to bed at like nine and sleeping right through and and you know I'd wake up with a bit of energy be able to go for a walk especially in the earlier days and yeah like it, the sleep just having good sleep was really important um you know in general uh and, and and little things like being able to just um meditate you know I didn't take any anti-nausea tablets actually I, I, I lied I did take them once and they actually made me feel nauseous mm -hmm. and almost felt like I was going to throw up after taking it so every time I felt like I was feeling a bit crook um in terms of nauseous feeling you know just meditate and just uh that would that would actually just make it go away um you know and so I didn't really take actually I didn't take any I didn't take any anti-nausea or sleeping tablets because I also give you sleeping tablets to sleep and just not being just not taking any of that stuff just made me feel um yeah with, without a doubt I think it made me feel better actually even after my surgery you know I didn't even I think I took an anti-inflammatory on the first day and that was it like I didn't take any other pain meds or anything I just I, I just kind of covered quite well from it mm. but um yeah certainly those those little things just those did lifestyle you, um, factors did, did you do any um cold exposure any any cold baths or showers or anything like that the the some early on I was doing the cold showers um and, and actually I was I live in I live in a hot climate so I was going to the beach um but I, unfortunately I was going through this also during COVID so then it was also at the start like right at the start of it like March 2020 so it was everything was locked down and I had you know I didn't know what this was all about we know a lot more now but you know it was also was I wasn't sure at the time whether you know it was safe to be outside and going through all this stuff as well but um a little bit of cold exposure I did certainly the beach you know was was really beneficial you mean yeah. getting in the sea you mean getting to sea yeah yeah, yeah. because a lot that, of people think going helps. to the beach means laying on the sand on the sand and, and being <laughs> so there's a little bit of that too but um but yeah getting getting actually into the water uh you know where you where you're developing a shiver yeah yeah I mean, no doubt. I mean, I, I, I still love that now and I think it's great. Um, you know, there was at the end of it, I was doing some peptide stuff, um, which is a lot more complicated than, yeah, than, but some of them were like to heal the gut, anti-cancer anti sort of peptides as well to kind of help me recover. But yeah, I think afterwards is when we kind of, um i kind of had a chat to you uh, you know i knew about you and and i think then we kind of hooked up and um did some really good work together on, well, on really just the recovery phase yeah the, i mean the what you did during it was phenomenal because it was very much against the advice and it's very difficult for people to be strong enough and committed enough and confident enough to go no no i I'm going to make my own decisions on this. I'm not taking that uh, literal advice from the man in the white coat, even though he says I'm stupid, I'm wasting my time. It's not going to help. I have a different outlook on this. So, you know, very, very difficult to do. But I think your obsessive nature was very 
handy at that point because you were like, well, I'm doing this no matter what, and, and it worked really well. Yeah. But then coming out the other end of it, the biggest issues that we saw were just absorption of foods was so compromised because chemo does really ruin your gut health, makes you very unwell in that you can't digest anything, you can't absorb it. Constant diarrhea for a lot of people. And I'm pretty sure we had a conversation once where even a year later, a lot of the people that you knew were still suffering with those gut issues, even though they've been you know, discharged and everything else. They never really fixed that stuff up. So we did go through quite a bit of uh, gut healing and fixing and things. And what what was interesting, and again, this is a real testament to you and your your application, is that one of the things that helped us the most was a carnivore diet. Because it took out a lot of the foods that were so irritating and it allowed us to work on healing the gut without putting more stuff in that was causing problems. Now, I'm not a fan of the carnivore being used long term, but I, I am a fan in the right circumstance as a treatment, as an intervention. And most people see the carnivore diet and go, oh, you just eat steak every day. But you being you, when, oh no, that's not how you do it. And it's pretty much a discussion we had, which is you need to eat a lot of the, it's, it's called nose to tail, right? You need to eat your organs and the offal and things like that because there are nutrients in all these things. The muscle meat, the actual steak, if you like, there's very little nutrient value in that. It's all in the in the liver and the kidneys and the brains and stuff like that. And you were kind enough to write out, and I've still got it. You're kind enough to write out a, <laughs> a food diary of what you were eating, and it it was it was so well constructed because you had no problem in saying kidneys, liver. I think there were brains on there at one point. There are all sorts mm. of stuff you were happily eating away. How was that couple of weeks that we did that for? How was that for you? Yeah, so, yes. So to your first thing you said, you know, just because a professional in a white coat says don't do something, it's stupid. You know, don't be afraid to question some of their own methods and just look into some of these, you know, we call them alternative methods, but they're, they're the methods that have been around for centuries and years and, and you know, there is some merit in doing these things and finding someone like yourself to kind of work through these things and and actually, you know, get a bit of control back and 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 actually make the process a lot easier because it certainly did make it a lot easier. Um, you know, these aren't some of these things. You know, I've I researched like crazy about them, but you know, these are things that you know, you know very well. Um, so it wouldn't hurt to have a conversation and. You know, have seek out some, some of that assistance and and do it right because it's it, you, as we already discussed, some of this stuff can also cause other issues if you do it wrong. So making sure you're speaking to the right people, but certainly questioning if someone says it's stupid, it's you know there's there's researchers out there, then it's it could help you. Um, and then yeah, so when I first finished, yeah, my gut was just in complete complete wreck. So, um, you know, I couldn't tolerate pretty much any food. Uh, you know, we, we went, we went down to a real, you know, elimination diet and I was still having sort of real, um, difficulties with processing some, some veggies and, you know, I wasn't eating anything bad. It was pretty much meat and veg, but, uh, it was just irritating my gut. So we went to carnivore and, um, yeah, that was, that was for like a, 
maybe a month or six six weeks. I'm not sure how long from now, but you know, literally that entire time, I just literally ate meat. So, yeah, I mean, the carnivore diet people make money out of promoting a carnivore diet, but it's realistically, it's a really good elimination diet that should be done for a short period of time to fix what's going on before you start adding some of the other things back in. Uh, and people so, have to understand, yeah. sorry, Jaden, people have to understand the diet isn't fixing anything. The diet is allowing you to get in and do some other work to fix the gut, the digestion, the absorption. And that has to be done in a specific way. So don't think, oh, I'll go on the carnivore, I feel much better. Well, you do because you've taken away the things that are irritating. But as soon as you start eating vegetables again or sweet potatoes or rice, you're, you've not fixed anything underlying. You're going to get all the problems back. So people have to understand this is not the cure because a lot of people say, oh, no, I feel the best I've ever felt. Well, you do because you're not absorb- you're not taking in a wide variety of foods that you should be because they all have value. Um, you're, you're restricting it. Um, but if it's done properly and you're working uh, to, to proactively fix what's the problem, it's a great intervention. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's just a short-term intervention um you know and yeah i was eating there are good ways of doing it and yeah i like everything i try to do it the, the fun way but uh yeah i mean the the eating all the offal with it so the liver the kidneys the brains people think that that's really gross i mean that's where a lot of the good nutrients are coming from and when you're eating that kind of diet i mean that's you you're you're really not getting huge amount of nutrients from everything so you really just gotta um look at look at all parts of the animal and i, and I have no problems eating that I actually find that a lot of that stuff is quite nice once you get over the idea of it and it's good experience you know to, to try it anyway and then you know we did a lot of work together fast forward kind of a year and a half down the line now i suppose it is maybe longer you, you're eating two and a half years. <laughs> oh, is it two and a half years? Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so, but, but now you're basically eating a completely normal, varied diet. You can eat pretty much anything. Oh, um, I was doing that. Well, I mean, we 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 worked on that, and and within six months, I was back to eating pretty much everything. Yeah, and and everything we're talking about, all the foods that would normally irritate people, so beans and pulses and carbohydrates and and all the things that people often find a problematic you went from being able to eat nothing to be able to eat everything which was a great uh, improvement for you and obviously massively beneficial looking back obviously it was the most horrific experience for someone as young as you were and you know no one wants to ever go through that now you're focus is very different to what it was prior to your diagnosis so prior to the diagnosis it was all about oh, i want to be healthy but really there was kind of this aesthetic outcome that was the kind of goal i just want to look great and be, have that beach body kind of thing not that you were ignorant to anything else but that was kind of the driver behind it which now it's a bit different now a lot of what you do is purely about preventative right it's about this is not coming back and I'm going to make sure I do everything I can to make sure that I prevent anything, be it cancer, be it cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, any of the big, you know, chronic diseases. And so you've gone quite deep into, you know, getting tests done and making sure that things are going in the right direction and changing certain approaches to things. Would it be fair to say realistically now that's going to be your approach going forward? 
Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, yeah, health until you know, until it's taken away from you completely, you don't realize how important it really is. And, you know, what it was, it was taken away from me completely. Like it was something that I focused on so much and meant so much to me and it got taken away. Uh, And that's, you know, when you're sick, you just want to be healthy again. So, yeah, I mean, my focus now um, is purely on, yeah, health. You know, we've done some really good testing and, and, um, and, and we've had conversations about, some interventions that I can take on and move forward. And I mean, I'm feeling great now, funnily enough, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing less sort of activity sort of stuff, but, you know, realistically, I think, you know, I'm two, as I said, I'm two and a half years on from that. And I'm, I'm, I actually personally think I'm actually looking from the aesthetic point of view, I'm looking better than I was back then anyway. Um, because I think, you know, sometimes less is more, um, you know, I feel really and, good. And, that's, and that was a tough thing for you to get your head around yeah, it was. At one time, yeah. <laughs> but it was because I also enjoyed this stuff, you know, and, and, but I've also, what I've really learned out of it all is I've figured out how to enjoy downtime as well. So, you know, just sitting at a beach and, you know, those little things that I've found really enjoyable that helped me when I was really sick, sitting at a park in the sun, sitting at the beach, you know, going for a swim. You know, I love just sitting at a beach now and listening to a podcast or going for a walk on the beach and just breathing in that air from the ocean and um you know reading a book on the beach listening to a podcast you know i i think i get into that more rest and digest sort of parasympathetic nervous system approach a bit more than i used to whereas before i think i was really just just hammering it and um yeah so it's those relaxing moments now that are kind of just uh find so so enjoyable that i think it's actually benefited me more than more than anything you know and I, I, I when you feel less stressed everything else is um improved you know every, every your digestion improves the way you absorb your food improves and that that comes with having you know looking better um yeah. really yeah so a lot of the work that i do <clears throat> is based around understanding someone's current health you know finding out what toxicity there might be sitting in them from whatever source so whether it's mold whether it's heavy metals whether it's chemical toxicity or pesticide toxicity or you know whatever it is a huge amount also viral and bacterial loads that we know lead to things like multiple sclerosis alzheimer's all this kind of stuff from someone who's been through this if we find in somebody they have multiple cancer causing uh, toxins and maybe some viruses that aren't good for them in the long term causing Alzheimer's MS kind of stuff um, or, or you know there's just a picture that we know there is these things there even though they're not symptomatic of anything right now what would your advice be to them if we get that kind of report out and say that we can see these things are about to happen yeah I mean the, the, the key is address it preventative medicine is the best kind of medicine you know treat it treat it early on you know I've I was so fortunate that I caught mine in stage one. Um, you know, if it was worse, it would have been more chemo. It would have been probably a worse, worser outcome. This is for, this is a, like a serious thing. But if it's something small, like a you know, well, it's small. I shouldn't say small. If it's something, you know, where it's um, you've got a parasite or you've got a viral thing going on, a bacterial thing. You know, the, the only way to deal and make yourself feel better is by managing it and dealing with it and getting rid of it, working with someone like yourself to 
to actually treat these things because if you don't treat it properly, just five, 10 years down the track, they're still there. And you carry on with your life feeling really shitty and average and partly because probably this is still there and it's never been treated properly. So deal with it. Like, you know, really work with someone that knows what they're doing and, and manage to get rid of this stuff because I'll tell you what, you feel so much so much more energy, so much more um, joyful in life, happy in life, you know, and that's what it's all about really. And and you're right, the sooner you deal with it, the easier it is. And also, you know, the more value you get long-term because if you can get rid of it now, you're not going to get the outcomes that, that are going to be detrimental potentially. And then- And that's the thing, like dealing with it early on, you know, you might- dedicate you know it might be six months worth of work but if you keep it 10 years later you know it, it ends up being you know two years worth of work potentially because it's led on to so many more other things so the quicker you can address these things that are causing you to feel you know averaging yourself now and you know the better you'll be you know in a year's time when you've dealt done it and you've dealt with it properly yeah 100 and and now today you're obviously fit well healthy feeling great and taking a bit of a career change in that you're becoming a functional medicine practitioner. You're very gend up on um, blood reports now and how to read them and what they really mean um, because we've done a lot of work with that and you've really come a long way with that. And you're, you know, you've know, got this whole new career that's going to really explode for you going forward because not only do you have the experience of what it's like to be awful, but you've got a very good understanding of now the real things that matter going forward. So that has got to be a really exciting time for you. Yeah. I mean, uh, doing my, my job from when I finished uni for 10 years now, probably it was probably like three or four years ago that I, um, health is so important, like such a, it's everything, you know, I just, I just, I listened to so many podcasts, you know, I was, I was listening to your podcast years ago and, and following you years ago and other people that I really like to listen to. And, and, you know, the, the functional medicine was always in the back of my head kind of as a, oh, I'd love to do that, but just never, never actually following through with it. And, um, you know, I remember just going for walks and being like, ah, oh, I just love to do this, you know, listening to these podcasts. Like this is, this is something that I just truly love to do. Then actually going through the actual um, process with yourself, you know, I was fortunate to do that and actually seeing how truly amazing it really was for me. It was, you know, not only did it um, help me from when I felt my worst, but it put me in an even better position than I was prior to the, to the diagnosis myself. So right now I feel like I'm the healthiest I've been in many, many years. You know, I just realized that, you know this this can really benefit people and it's a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that um that you got you do and you know I'd, I'd love to be involved in it so yeah i i i've just i'm starting it now and i'm going to finish it for hopefully sometime next year and um in a in a weird kind of way you know the whole cancer diagnosis i kind of see it almost like a gift now like it, it's it's really weird to say because like oh, i would never wish it to happen again but i kind of see it like it's pushed me in a path where I, I want to be. And maybe without that, I wouldn't have realized it. So, you know, you got to take positives out of every negative and it was a huge negative I had, but there's no point just being why me, why me, you know, just find those positives in life. And that was one of them. And yeah, it's, um, it's, it's awesome, a path where it, I'm happy it, to be. 
it, it's fantastic. And I know you're going to be a, a great practitioner. You're already, you're already looking at ways in which you can start bringing that to uh, you know, people's attention and, and treating people. And, and I know that going forward, your your natural propensity to, to understand everything and be able to communicate it well and the experience that you've had, they're just going to make you very, very valuable to the community because, and we need more people like you, I've got to be honest, because there's not enough of us about. But, um, mate, it's, it's, it's an inspiring story. You know, anyone that says, I've been through the worst thing in the world and now actually it's a gift and my life's so much better now and I feel amazing. You know, it just gives a lot of people hope not just people that might have a cancer diagnosis, but also people that are just not feeling like life's giving them what they want right now, right? And and a lot of people are like that. They're like, they get to a point, they go, this can't be it. Is this all there is? You know, I thought I'd be happier at this time. I thought everything would fall into place. I thought some magic thing would happen that I would be, you know, things would be the way I want them to be. And yet it progressively becomes worse and worse. So seeing that, from the worst thing you can actually create something amazing is uh very inspirational so keep at it big man it's uh it's great to have you as as a friend and a, a colleague and um uh, and i love speaking with you because we always get before the, before we recorded this <laughs> two hours long <laughs> yeah, so generally we i kind of get someone on and we have a little chat and say how you been yeah great fine and then we get onto the recording we were over an hour talking before we even pressed the record button so um, you know, it's always like that when we chat and it's never a quick one, but, um, uh, you know, I'm blessed to have you in my life because it's, it's a great example as to what doing the work we do can do for people. And, and it's, and, and I love other people understanding that's, you know, these are the things that can be achieved. So hat off to you, man. No, I, pre- I, I do appreciate, I do appreciate that. Um, Paul, you know, you, uh, I do see you as a mentor and a friend for sure. And, you know, you, you're mentoring me through um, a lot of the stuff I'm going through previously, but even now with the studying stuff, you know, um, when I need questions are answered, you've always been really helpful. So, yeah, I mean, certainly if any listeners are out there, just, you know, I, I'd recommend, you know, having a chat with Paul and seeing what he can do for you because I certainly, I know for a fact he'll help you. Um, it, it involves you actually taking the responsibility and actually going ahead and, 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 initiating the um the chat but uh yeah no thank you you've been you've been really good two and a half years and i'm sure we'll do many more of these uh conversations down the track as well yeah good i look forward to them so yeah as jen says listen if you want to reach out to me there's a link in the show notes just click it you can make a tiny on my diary it's a free call because i don't know what we're going to speak about but i'm happy to speak about anything um especially health related that's even better um <laughs> and, and a lot of people have been doing it right there's a lot of listeners of this uh, of the show that have been the, filling my diary and that's great I love it because some of them um, are very varied and we can really help them put them on the right track so make sure you, you make a call if that's something you want to talk about but um, listen mate until the next time and now it's getting late there now it's probably it's probably past your bedtime but um, <laughs> thanks for coming on I appreciate it um, I do look forward to our, our next meeting and um, and seeing where your career goes because like I say inspirational at the very least And um, uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having us. Thank you.